you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Good morning, Grace Capital Church. How are we doing? Oh, man, don't we just love being God's presence, singing praise to Him? Well, today we have some... You've seen his picture before, but now you see him in real life. So this is Dr. Ted Vale and his wife, Dawn. And Ted is our Foursquare Missions Director, Vice President in Foursquare. And so we are just so pleased to have you guys with us today. Can you guys give them a big round of applause uh, for being here? A big welcome. And so thank you. We're going to give this to you, Ted. Take us away. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want to say thank you. Um, thank you for sharing your pastor. Uh, you might, might or might not know this, but Pastor Mark is involved on our National Missions Committee, and so that provides advisory to uh, a lot of things that happen around the world, and he plays a very important part of that. And also, he exemplifies, I think, what any pastor would love in uh, somebody from the church, which is he's always willing to jump in and help out on things. And so I think it's good that you know what we see uh, that uh, that what he serves up to you, he eats it too, um, and uh, and he does the he does the same thing. So, um, thank you. We had a great time with uh, Mark and Audra and their family, and uh, what a what a wonderful wonderful place. I want to thank you for your partnership in World Missions, a team like this going to Haiti. Uh, also, your recent offering to what we call the Global Missions Fund. I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that really is one of the ways that we're able to get to what. We we call the unreached of the world. So, um, so when I was, um, I didn't grow up in church, but uh, when I was in my teens, I came to Christ. I was at a retreat uh, not long after that, and I didn't know what a missionary was, but I just felt like I heard the Lord say, you're going to go to another country to tell people about Jesus. <clears throat> I get back the very next day, some missionaries that were career missionaries in Japan came up and said, we feel like the Lord want us to invite you to do youth work in Japan. And um, I was like, okay, and, and say, so what do I do? And they said, go to your local community college and learn conversational Japanese. And so, okay, <laughs> advantage of being from a little bit of a broken home, I didn't have a lot of other attachments, and it was like, okay, great, so I go to my community college, learn conversational Japanese, buy a plane ticket, go to Japan, the missionaries, they stayed there for nine days, and then they left me alone with Japanese people. I learned that my Japanese, my conversational Japanese, was an adequate amount to offend the Japanese in their own language. <laughs> I was like, and... <laughs> It was a life-changing time. We saw people meet Jesus, but there's something I wanted to communicate here to, I still remember so many times, looking across this vast sea of humanity and actually knowing that so many of them not only do not know of Jesus Christ, but just by sheer stats and ratios, they do not have the access to know about Jesus because there are not enough believers in their country to actually get to everyone. And it gripped my heart to know that so many don't even have a chance. 
fast forward a few years, uh, and I meet my wonderful wife, Dawn. We've been married for 26 years. We have three children, Grace, Mercy, and Daniel. And uh, with names like Grace and Mercy, it's hard to yell at your kids. <laughs> I found a way. But no, <laughs> I really didn't. They're wonderful. <clears throat> but Grace was very young. <clears throat> she was four years old. And she and I were at the mall, and we were in the Disney store. We're in the Disney store, and Disney store's not a huge store, but I lost her. Parents, you ever lost, temporarily misplaced your children? <laughs> I can't find her anywhere. And you know what happens. Every parent, you know what happens. I, I can't find her. And so, of course, I start looking a little faster and a little faster, and every passing moment, your stomach drops a little lower and your nerves and your adrenaline starts rushing. And then I hit that critical point where it is like, she's, I don't think she's in this store. I can't find her. So right away, uh, right away, I go to the door of the Disney store thinking she's not getting out of here. And then something interesting happens. Well, first of all, as I'm coming in this way, um, I hear a little crying in the Little Mermaid section, and I go over there, and there she is. So she gets a big, big hug from me, and there's a sense of relief that uh, she actually wasn't here, and I found her. But I heard the voice of the Lord. Now, we hear the voice of the Lord differently, and I'll just say that I don't very often hear it so strongly, so I pay attention when I do hear it so strongly. I heard this, what if you wouldn't have found her? And so I was thinking about that. If I wouldn't have found her, I, I thought, well, I, I would go to mall security and I'd basically say, shut it down. Nobody's getting out the doors. And then I heard, okay, but what if you still wouldn't have found her? And I was just processing through. I thought, well, I'd always be looking. And, um, and I thought, and I'd get anybody's help. I'd get your help whether you liked me or not, whether I even knew you. This is my daughter and she's lost. I'm asking everybody. This is desperate. And I remember feeling that as I'm trying to process the questions. What if you still wouldn't have found her? And, and, and so I'm, I'm thinking, now what? And then, and then this question, when would you stop looking? Parents, if you lost your child, when would you stop looking? Never. It would consume you, all of your resources, all of your focus and attention, and anybody that you could get to help you, again, whether they like you or you like them or not, you'd get everybody. And then I heard this last thing, and it changed my life. I heard, now you're beginning to understand my heart for people. Everywhere you go, you encounter people that are created in God's image whether they know him or not. And I grabbed hold of the heart of God that said, everybody, everybody deserves a chance. Well, <clears throat> students of Jesus, how about a Bible quiz? Let's do it. Pat, you want to put that up there for us? Okay, so I know this is a softball and we're going with King James. How many of you grew up with King James? He wasn't so bad. All right. Okay, this is softball, but let's just do Bible quiz, students of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today I want to talk about whosoever, because students of Jesus, this is found in John chapter 3 as it says, now a little further in the chapter, John 3, 36, says it again, and I just like the way that King James says it. Your uh, ESV, I believe, will say whoever. <clears throat> 
And then in uh, verse 36, whosoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I want that to sink in, whosoever, as in anybody. (laughs) But as students of Jesus, do you remember in the school, if you're in school now, or most of us when we were in school, you remember they're given this material, and you raise your hand, and you go, is this going to be on the test? (laughs) (laughs) Can I just tell you that everything that is preached from this pulpit to you, it's going to be on the test. Unfortunately, you just don't know when the test is going to (laughs) be. Is this going to be on the test? And the answer is yes. And until this has always been under my nose, I just didn't put this together uh, until really recently that after John 3, you know what's after John 3? Yeah, it's John 4, but what John 4 is, is the story of Jesus encountering the woman at the well, the Samaritan. In other words, when he said, whosoever, and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds really great. And then he said, no, no, we're going to push this. I'm going to find somebody that is the very last person in the world that you think deserves what I just promised. So uh, put up there John chapter 4. This is next chapter, next story. <clears throat> and I, I use the NIV on this one. Um, when a Samaritan, let me stop for a second. So Samaritans, there were, when there was a divide in the kingdom in the Old Testament, Samaritans and Jews, there was a huge racial and religious divide between them. There is hatred. It is good that Facebook did not exist back then because it would have gotten ugly. Because there was a sense of, there was just such a sense of divide between them that Jews would call Samaritans uh, names and Samaritans would call Jews names. And so he picks a woman from those people. And by the way, that's how we define Samaritans now. People that are geographically close but culturally distant. And if you're not sure, I would always refer to Samaritans anytime somebody says those people. Do you know what those people are doing? And so he gets a Samaritan woman. She came to draw water. He said, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Now there's another divide, woman and man. So there's a, and, and this was a big deal that there was a gender divide. You're not supposed to be talking to a woman and not just any woman, but a Samaritan woman. This is the ultimate whosoever. When he said whosoever, he pushed them way, does Jesus ever push you? He pushed them way beyond what they were thinking. <clears throat> For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This is the test on the material, and I believe it's the test every one of us has to be willing to take that heart of God to reach out to his lost children wherever they're at. We say the nation's at the end of the earth and the nation's at the end of your street. And in this day, and we'll talk about it as God has brought the nations right here to our shores as well. 
Uh, would you mind showing that map for us? This is a map that we use a lot, and uh, if you've heard missions presentations, that red area, we, we've called the 1040 window, it's, it's increased beyond that, but I just kind of want to show you that <clears throat> in the Foursquare family, um, we have a lot to celebrate, but that area in red, we have churches in there, but that represents what we would call the unreached. And just to clarify in this definition of unreached, unreached does not mean unresponsive. <clears throat> Unreached means that there is nobody in their language or people group or not an adequate enough people, uh, uh, representatives in their people group to bring the gospel to their own people, which means somebody has to come in from outside. There are 3.1 unreached, 3 billion, 3.1 billion unreached people in the world today. They live in around 6,000 people groups, people group, culture, language. So when people go, hey, it looks like it's going pretty good out there around the world, I would say it depends who you talk to <laughs> because there's so much to celebrate out there. And as a missions director, I, I, have a <clears throat> I have a front row seat to some of the awesome things that God is doing. Thank you. We can celebrate what God's doing in Cambodia, a nation, as you know, especially if you're, uh, if you're over 50, you remember this was ravaged at a certain point, and now I think in Foursquare there's nearly 5,000 churches there. There's so many great things to celebrate. In the nation of Colombia, <clears throat> we have 3,000 Foursquare churches in Colombia, and recently we were presenting, as two years ago, we were presenting this idea that there are unreached people groups, even in your country in Colombia, a lot of indigenous people that are maybe living in the mountains. And <clears throat> I brought a list from the Joshua Project of unreached people groups in Colombia. And I think I brought a list and there were like nine, there were only nine left. But it was great because the, the national leader of Colombia, when I said this, he's like, hey, give me that list. <laughs> and he, he's the list, he goes, when you come back next time, we'll get them all. <laughs> we'll have, and they didn't need our help. They just went and did it. Last, I was just with him a couple weeks ago. We were in Panama together. And he's like, yeah, we got people going at all these places now. Isn't it amazing that we could reconcile all people with that loving father like the Disney store that would say, it is not okay that anyone perishes, that everyone gets a chance the nation of Turkey, the good news and the bad news. The good news is the Foursquare Church there is the largest Protestant movement in the nation of Turkey, which is the land of the seven churches of the book of Revelation. It is an ancient land, and our church movement is the largest. That's a great thing to celebrate. But you know what's, a, what's not good is it's a land of 80 million people with around 10,000 known believers or followers of Jesus. Do the ratios on that, contrast to the United States, just doing the easy math, that's like 40,000 believers in all of the United States. <laughs> and you easily have that in your own state. So much to celebrate, but much, much challenge before us. One of the... Uh, one of the amazing things of global migration is that now some of these unreached people groups might find, them, might find their way right to your neighborhood. And you can see that through the eyes of threat. <clears throat> what are they going to do? And look what's happening. <clears throat> or you can see it through the eyes of opportunity that a loving God said, I love them so much and they, <clears throat> they weren't hearing the gospel where they lived. So you know what I did? I love them so much. I brought them to your neighborhood because <clears throat> I knew you wouldn't close the drapes and close your heart. 
you, you would reach out to them. <clears throat> you know, with 3.1 billion people, 6,000 people groups, isn't it crazy that only 3% of workers, <clears throat> or what we would traditionally call missionaries, only 3% go to that number? Do you know that only one in $100,000 of Christian charity goes to reach the 3.1 billion? And so there is a call. We want to keep celebrating and doing everything that we're doing. And Haiti is a great example of what a great idea, what a great place to really share God's love. I just commend you for this as a church. And at the same time, even when you recently gave to the Global Missions Fund, that's that fund that helps us to get to the 3.1 billion, to see the gospel get to those that didn't even have a chance. As you can imagine, um, those that suffer the most are the most vulnerable. They're children a lot of times. In um, nations like, um, here's one. Imagine a country that is geographically the size of the state of Iowa, but has more people than all of Russia. It's called Bangladesh. Is one of the least reached countries in the world. We have a church movement there, a little less than 100 churches. <clears throat> but it's the children that are the most vulnerable. And I just feel like um, for us, we could do something about that. And we'll talk a little bit more about what we can do and the great expressions as students of Jesus and followers of Jesus that, uh, that we can do. Here's something I want to get across that is a pretty big paradigm shift if you've grown up in church. If you've grown up in church, the idea is, that's the pastor. We give him an offering. We pay him to do all the religious, spiritual stuff because I got my world and I'm going to go do that. But can I tell you that we're never going to put a dent in the 3.1 billion and we're not gonna even put a dent in reaching more people for Christ right around us in our own neighborhoods of our own people and those different from us. We're not gonna make a dent if we don't see it differently. That this is a day that will require, as we say, the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. The whole church, the idea that every one of us actually is a part of the mission of God. That each one of us has a part to play in reconciling lost children to a loving father. There's another way to say it. I love this. <clears throat> Would you put up uh, John 4.35? So this is a pretty famous verse here. <clears throat> Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe now. So you probably heard this before. You guys say it's going to be, we call it when-then syndrome. <laughs> Someday when this happens, harvest is in four months. But he says, look right now. Now, famous verse, but here's what we forget. Students of Jesus, where did Jesus say that at? Where did he say, you're missing it, it's, right, it's ripe right now? He said it in Samaria. He was amongst the whosoevers when he said this. And they're coming back with food, if you know the context. They're coming back with food and saying, whoa, Jesus, why are you still talking with this woman? And why are we even in Samaria? We usually go around this place. And that's when he said it. He said, you're missing it. Look differently. See that the harvest is ripe in whosoever land. It's a cultural difference for sure. Cultural difference. Here's a fun uh, cultural difference story. Don and I, we grew up in Washington State. Grew in the Seattle area. <clears throat> um, but about 19, 20 years ago, we were called to move to Los Angeles, California. Just, that's a different culture, okay? <clears throat> so, 
We're living in, we're just, it's expensive, by the way, too. So we're doing our best, and we get what we can to live. But, but kind of next door to us, uh, just a few miles away across a little uh, valley, is um, it's the nice neighborhood. Yeah, they got the nice grocery store there. And so Dawn was over shopping over there with our three young children at the time in our minivan. So she goes over there. She's coming out of Vaughn's, which is uh, Safeway out there. I don't know what your equivalent here is. But she comes out of the grocery store <clears throat> uh, with three kids kids and this big, as only you'd see in California, a big white Cadillac Eldorado. <laughs> you know those ones with the eight foot long doors? And, and it's pulled in right next to our van and she sees as the door just swings open and goes bam right in the side of our van. And she tells the story. She's, of course, at first pretty uh, upset, uptight about this. And so she gets going over there. But then as she gets over there, she sees that while the door is kind of still open, there is an elderly gentleman and he's got his head in his hands and he's just shaking his head. And he's just saying, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And here's Dawn, and uh, she's scraping white paint off of the side of our burgundy van with her fingernail, thumbnail, and, she, and uh, he's like, I'm just so sorry. And she says, you know what? It's okay. You know, you can't take, you can't take this stuff with you. And so he, he goes, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> That's another culture. Here's why I love that story, though. Shouldn't every one of us every once in a while hear that from somebody? You're not from around here, are you? Why in the world would you forgive those people? Don't you know what they've done? Don't you know who those people are? I think it's probably good every once in a while to have someone say that. Let me show you another verse. This is Romans. This is a good whosoever verse. Romans chapter 10. I pulled King James again because I like it. There's the word. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that encouraging? Do you ever meet people that you think they might not qualify for this? <laughs> and this assures us, everybody, whosoever, no matter what, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But how can they call if they have not believed? How can they believe if they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone going and telling them or a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are the feet. I heard this the other day and I loved this about mission. They said, the beautiful feet that bring the gospel are connected to the worn out knees of prayer and intercession that are connected to the generous hands that give. Doesn't that express the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world? That we all have a spot. Some of us are going to go. Some of us are going to go across the street. Uh, hopefully many of us, we're going to go throughout the nation, short term and long term. But you know what? We're committed to intercession. Unreached people groups are unreached for a reason, and it's not just because we couldn't figure out how to catch an airplane and a bus to them. There is something that requires a spiritual breakthrough of prayer. Repeat after me, if you would, this sentence. We are God's plan A to reach the world. And there is no plan B. <laughs> Now look at your neighbor and say, you're looking at it. <laughs> is that a scary thought to anybody besides me? <laughs> this is it? This is the A-team? I'm the A-team? I'm God's A-game? <clears throat> somebody, surely somebody else besides me could do this. 
God's chosen us to do this. He's chosen believers and his followers, his students to do this. Hmm. Well, let me, show you, uh, let me show you a couple people that I hang out with real quick. Uh, I just want to pull up a couple pictures, so go ahead. So first of all, this is Dan Lucero. You might know Dan. Um, the reason I want to show Dan is because Dan is one of our area missionaries, and he works, and this is in, um, in uh, northern Africa and also in French West Africa. And Dan's supported by the Global Missions Fund. Now, Dan works and coordinates with not only Americans, but works with the local leaders in these areas. And there's one nation, uh, there's one nation in this Sahara, North Africa, that is very not Christian at all. And, the, and um, now in the last four years, because of, because of generosity and because of Dan being able to go along with the locals in that area, 100 villages, 100 villages in Niger, that didn't have any gospel presence, no church of any denomination, nothing at all, but 100 of them now have a church. That's reaching the unreached. That's the Father's heart for people. Let's go to the next one. This is Caleb. So I, I like Caleb because at the time of this picture, Caleb wasn't even a licensed minister. But Caleb is here uh, and he's in Cambodia with his uh, Vietnamese are uh, taking the boats there. Caleb is a businessman and he's also involved in politics. But he is so compelled by Jesus that he does anything he can, anytime he can, even as a businessman, to get and give the message to people in other countries. I like this because it really says the whole church, not just vocational licensed ministers. Okay, next picture if you would. I like this because those are his Vietnamese boat drivers and they all received Jesus just a few months ago um, on this boat trip that day. And so you'll see them in, in heaven as well. Uh, let's go to the next one. This is Brandy. So um, Brandy, she is much younger. She received, uh, sorry, she uh, received a call to ministry at summer camp just a few months, uh, would be last year, last summer, and uh, has gone through training and now is deployed. She's in the South Pacific in Fiji and she is working, she's actually helping with administration. Her gift is administration. And so she's serving uh, our local churches in the area as well as that region. Um, and uh, maybe one more. Oh, this is Aaron. I like Aaron. Aaron is the, he is the next gen director for all of Latin America. He speaks Spanish. But what's fun about Aaron is, um, is that Aaron always used to say, I thought missionaries were losers. <laughs> and we always said, don't say that too loud to the Lord. He might hear you and make you a missionary. So, uh, so that's Aaron. <laughs> and then uh, finally, I want to show you this one. So this is Sharon, and the reality is, is Sharon's not her name, but that's the new reality of so much of what we do. We have all of our personnel in these parts of the world, they have aliases, we don't use their real name. It's very hard to promote and promote what they're doing because even like this service is live streamed, there's just things that you just can't put out there anymore. You jeopardize people's lives and certainly their, their ministry there. Here's what I like about, uh, what, what I like about Sharon as, is she serves in one of those nations. Sharon's 75 years old. Sharon just deployed. She's a widow, and she just deployed um, about a year and a half ago, and this is what she told me. She said, Ted, I, I'm aware. I'm aware that this is the last season of my life, and I want to do something awesome for God and make this count. Isn't that amazing? 
Um, I want to tell you a quick story um, as we talk about three things that you could do as we talked even before. You, you could pray, you could give, and you could go. I know that simplifies it, but if you're just going, give me something practical, I would say that. Anytime you're thinking about the world, I'm going to pray, uh, I'm going to find out where I could give and how I could give, and I'm also going to be willing to go. So I'm in church, I was a young believer, um, and um, it was a pretty good-sized church, and I remember I'm a new believer, and I'm sitting there, and it's the offering, and we had plates at our church. And so the, um, so the offering plate is coming, and I'm single, don't have a lot of money, and, um, and I'm seeing the plate coming. I don't know if we've ever done this, but my mind, I'm mentally going through, what do I have in my wallet? And then thinking, and where do I want to go to lunch after church? <laughs> Deciding, it's like, I got, a, I got a couple of ones, a five and a ten. What am I going to put in? <clears throat> is this going to be a Wendy's day or an Applebee's day? Or, you know, I'm just trying to think it through. And as my mind's racing through this, I, like, like uh, later on in life at the Disney store, I heard the Lord. And as I'm sitting there, this is what I heard. I heard, why don't you just get into the plate? And again, my mind, I don't know if it was like yours, I'm thinking, that's going to be awkward, Lord. Because <laughs> there's this plate coming, and we're all sitting there, and our ushers, even at that time, they had like their walkie-talkies, you know, and everything. And I just envisioned this, we got a problem in aisle five over here. We got a guy standing in the offering plate <laughs> over. <laughs> But I saw myself, didn't do it, I saw myself standing in the offering plate. And that was such a message because the Lord was saying, listen, money, that's great and all, but really, I prepared a body for you. You're the offering. And I caught this idea as my mind is just racing through. Yeah, when I put five bucks in the plate, it goes down out the back door. One, I never go for a refund. And I never go, hey, where'd that go? What happened to it? I always go, Lord, this is now yours, not mine, out of my control belongs to you. You do with it what you want to do. Go change lives with it. Now, when you think about that is now I'm not just saying it with my five bucks. I was saying it with my life that Lord, whatever you want, it is your call. Now use me how you want. There's so many people out there that still need to know the love of Jesus. And I believe I'm breathing air on this planet to make sure as many of them as possible get to know God. got a video to show you and then I'd like to close in prayer. Each morning, in every corner of our world, nearly one out of every two people wake up and face life's challenges, its trials and hardships, perhaps never knowing the love, the grace, the power of Jesus Christ. As the Foursquare Church, it is our conviction, our assignment in this world, to bring light into darkness, to every day journey into the world's difficult places, to reach those that are often hardest to reach. We do bold things, difficult things, some may even say crazy things, in an effort to reunite creation with their Creator. In this work of connecting people to the heart of God, it requires all types of workers. Maybe you're a woman who has a heart to see others around the world be truly empowered, to help a new generation of leaders and see nations change. 
Maybe you're a recent graduate looking to explore new worlds, connect with individuals from a culture far different than yours, and work to bring the love of Christ into a nation for the very first time. Or an experienced married couple coming into a new season of life, looking to mentor and care for those on the field, sharing important years with those who desperately need to see the light. A pastor who is given years of ministry serving short-term trips, but who hears that subtle whisper of God calling them to truly invest in the work they've so long supported. Or maybe you have unique talents and have struggled to understand how your music, sports, or film abilities could truly make a difference. And the Holy Spirit is nudging you to cross into another culture. Some of us will pray. Some of us will give financially. But some of us? Some of us will hear the call of God, the same one that called us to Him in the beginning. And we will risk it all. We will give our all to ensure tonight one less woman, man, or child drifts off to sleep without knowing the life-changing power of truly knowing Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? I want to wrap up with a prayer for you. You ever heard that saying, alone you can go faster, but together we can go farther? We're all a part of the mission of God. As a student and a follower of Jesus, you are called to be on the mission of God, reconciling his children to him wherever he takes you to the nations at the ends of the earth, for those of you that would go there, but also right in your workplace and your school, people that are like you, but also the Samaritans, the whosoevers, if you will, whether because of their ethnicity, because of their economics, because of their political views, because of anything, God's called us to the whosoevers as well. I'm going to pray three things today. First, I'm going to pray for uh, I'm going to pray for the way that you see the world, that we'd see everybody through a different lens, the lens of the love of God looking for lost children. Secondly, I'm going to pray that you would see yourself differently that you are a part of the team. You're, you're on the A team. There is no B team. And that we all need to be a part of this together. And then thirdly, I want to pray a, a special offering prayer. And as you just already heard, it's not a money offering. This one's the you offering. This one is the, am I willing to step up and put myself in the plate and say, okay, it's all yours. This isn't about receiving salvation necessarily, but if you haven't, this would be a great time to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. This is about, this is about saying, um, I'm all in. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you chose us to live in this world at this time. And I pray, Lord, that you would adjust our lens or our glasses, that we would see the world differently from today on. Even the people that really tick us off, even the people that we feel like they're so distant from you and so different than us, the whosoevers of the world, that we would see them through the eyes of a loving and a compassionate Heavenly Father that we would do what we can to bring those that are far from you to you. 
Lord, secondly, I pray for us that the, how we see ourselves, that many of us have seen ourselves as not really part of the team or part of the mission. That's somebody else's job, but, but it's going to require all of us that we as followers of Jesus are all called to be a part of the mission of God. Please, uh, please illuminate that or show us the way on this, how we can effectively and strategically pray, pray breakthrough or how we could be generous and give, whether it's our finances or it's our time or whatever it is. And then finally, uh, about going. And, and some of us that e even today, there's something, all of a sudden it just pinged in their heart. Uh, maybe like it did with me a few years ago that said, uh, um, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to do this. Finally, I want to pray the offering, the offering prayer. It's up to you to do this if you want. But my response, instead of coming to the front today to respond, it's just a simple, and I usually do this, just I just step, step up and step forward. Lord, as the offering plate goes by right now, uh, in a metaphorical sense, um, Lord, for those of us here, <clears throat> we're just choosing to step into the plate and saying it's not just money anymore. It is actually me. I'm the offering. Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, I believe that will will be the best life. Just like it says in Isaiah, here am I, Lord, send me. So Lord, today we're going to pray the gutsy prayer. And if it's you, if you haven't done it yet, you just step forward and step into that plate. Say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in whatever you want. So Lord, as a church, we thank you. Thank you for this congregation. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you give Ted a big hand of appreciation? Thank you so much, Ted. Appreciate you. As we stay standing, um, I, I want to let you know that, that the Lord is up to something. If you remember, if you were here last week, we used that Romans verse. How would the world know unless somebody goes and tells them of the love of Jesus? And what... Ted has encouraged us today and what I believe the Lord is speaking to us is realizing that every single one of us are called to the mission field. Starts in your homes, your workplaces, your schools, your community, your state, our country, the world. That we are called to be the ambassadors, the representation of Jesus Christ. And our world needs to have people who will say, yes, I'm all in, choose me. So as we prayed that prayer, and as you took that step forward today, I, I know you're going to ask the self, what is, what is my step? What's my next? How do I go say yes to this? How, what, is, what do I need to do? And I think what you need to do is just simply, you can email me if you feel like God is saying something that you need to take action beyond your home or your school, that you feel a call into some other place of the world. Just email me. We'll connect you to where you need to go. But realize that we are called to the places that Jesus has put you. See, Jesus sent you to New Hampshire. Yes, you might say, well, I was born here and I'm, I just work here. But guess what? Jesus purposed you to be born here. Because he sent you here to be a witness, to be light, 
Now, Jesus might be sending you to other parts of the world, and that's fine. Where he sends you, he's purposed for you because he's wanted you to be that witness. He's wanted you to be that light so people can hear the good news of a father that loves them, that wants to reconcile, that wants to restore. So thank you, church, for saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for saying yes to putting yourself in that plate to say, here I am, Lord. Send me to wherever that is. I want to remind you, one of the things that we are going to do as a church is we are sending this team to Haiti. And it's not just a few select people that are going to Haiti. We are going to Haiti. Our entire church is going to Haiti because we're sending not only some physical bodies, but we as a church are sending our prayers. We're sending our resources. We're sending our lives. So today, when we close the service, yes, go grab your kids. We want to make sure that you guys um, uh, come back here with your children. But we have a meal auction that's going to help raise funds to send this team to Haiti. By the way, there's like 50 meals. Like All of you guys need to stay and figure out that you're going to actually go home with your lunch. (laughs) All right. And we're going to have that. It won't take long to do this meal auction, but this is an opportunity for us to go to Haiti with this team by supporting them. And so, yes, go get your kids as we close. But I want to let you know how proud I am of you. As a church, you've been on this journey to follow Jesus. I've seen the growth in you. I've seen the life. I've seen the commitments. And you're saying yes to Jesus. And as a result, God's going to give us greater opportunity to respond to the things that he has for us. So thank you. Thank you for saying yes to him. We're going to close with this song. Please stay after service. We're going to have this meal auction. Bid on your lunch today. It's going to be a great time. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.